our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation as we celebrate Trinity Sunday today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Listen again to verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So far, our text. Some of you might be able to remember a classic comedy skit by Abbott and Costello called Who's on First? Well, someone has written a similar skit, not about the sacred pastime of baseball, but about the Holy Trinity. It sounds something like this. When you come to church, you need to know the key players, you know, the ones who are worthy of honor and praise. Honor and praise, huh? Well, who are they? Okay, listen closely now. There is one God. One God. That seems easily enough. What do you call this one God? This one God is called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, wait just a minute. You just told me there is only one God. That's right. So which is it? So which is what? Which name do you use for this one God? The name I gave you. But you gave me three names. That's right. What's right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So you have three gods? No, one God. So which is it? Which is what? Father, Son, or Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes to what? That's God's name. Which God? Our one God. Why did you give me three names? Because they aren't the same. But you just told me there is one God, so which is it? Which is what? Which name is the name of your God? I told you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that is three. Yes, but it's only one. Thank you, Dwayne Muller. <laughs> God is complicated, isn't he? And that's absolutely true. We Christians believe that God is triune. Try, three, uno, one card left, right? One, three in one, and one in three. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet, at the same time, this trio is referred to as one God. Huh, triune. And yes, it's true, that word, that name, is not found in the Bible. It was coined by the early church to describe the unique and awesome threeness that the scriptures use to paint the picture of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he is triune, and that's a little bit complicated, isn't it? But so what? Don't ever let that bother you, because when it comes to God being complicated, is not a bad thing. Do you really want your God to be explainable? 
Do you really want your God to come with a blueprint or an owner's manual or a YouTube tutorial or to be completely broken down for you on a first grade reading level? No, you don't want that kind of God and I don't want that kind of God either. It does make perfect sense that divine beings by their very nature should be a little bit vague. And I should not be able to wrap my, my feeble uh, human brain around them. It does seem reasonable that the God who created the heavens and the earth and dinosaurs and black holes and golden retriever puppies and double chocolate cake with ice cream, it seems to me that that God deserves to come with a little bit of mystery. In fact, I'd be disappointed if my God were ordinary. I'd be disappointed if my God were run-of-the-mill. I'd be disappointed if my God was boring. And if that frustrates you because God isn't fitting into the nice little box that you've constructed for him, well, you better get used to it. Because God is bigger than your gray matter will ever comprehend. And just how incomprehensible is this triune God of yours? Well, Martin Luther once said, he put it this way, Luther said, to try to deny the Trinity endangers your salvation. To try to comprehend it endangers your sanity. God is triune, one in three, three in one. He's complicated. But, but don't try to explain your unexplainable God. Instead, simply be proud of him. Years ago, some uh, Jehovah's Witnesses decided to come to my door. Wrong move, by the way. Uh, and I told them, you know, I don't believe in your Jehovah God. To which they, they said, well, what God do you believe in? I said, well, I believe in God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Oh, they said, you're a Trinitarian. I said, absolutely. I come from a long line of Trinitarians, and I'm proud of it. Here's the deal. And by the way, Jehovah Witnesses, they are not Christian at all. They're a cult, okay? And, and we Christians, we might not agree on everything across denominational lines, and we won't on this side uh, of heaven, but we do agree on one thing, whether a person's a Catholic or a Lutheran or Baptist or Assemblies of God or Episcopalian or non-denominational, all Christians without exception, otherwise they're not a Christian, they believe that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you know what that means? You are all card-carrying Trinitarians too, okay? So be proud of that fact, even though sometimes you can't rationally connect all the dots. I read an article recently, and it was all about the demise of the high school three-sport athlete. I thought that was interesting because I've noticed that, that high school athletes, they don't wear letter jackets anymore. Have you ever noticed that? They, very, very few. 
Okay, instead what they do is they wear team jackets. You know, they wear their hockey jacket, or they wear their volleyball jacket, or they wear their, you know, their soccer jacket. But if they would wear letter jackets like they did in the old days, you would see that three-sport letter winners, you, you just don't find them anymore. And that's because parents and young athletes have bought into the mindset that says, well, an athlete can achieve excellence only when they channel their talents, their energy, and their drive into a single sport. I've always thought that's a bunch of hooey. Uh, I, I don't believe that, and here, here's why. Years ago, I watched a Hermantown hockey player catch a pass with his skates, and then using his skates, he effortlessly moved the puck you know, from his blades to his stick on the ice. It was just smooth as silk. And I said to him, that's really cool. How, how did, where did you learn how to do that? He looked at me and he said, I play soccer too. <laughs> you know, so I believe that the skill and muscle memory required to master three separate sports is what makes an athlete truly exceptional and separates them from the ordinary. They become three-dimensional instead of just one-dimensional and there's something powerful about that kind of threeness. Well, there's something special and wonderful and powerful about the threeness of our triune God. Now, there's an interesting phrase that's attributed to Martin Luther, and it's something that he called the unholy trinity. And Luther coined those words to try to explain what evil is all about. And, and so to Luther, the unholy trinity was always these three things, sin, death, and the power of the devil. But look what happens when our triune God goes up against and does battle against the unholy trinity. The first battle, the first in the ring, is God the Father, and his opponent is sin. And so we remember, don't we? We remember what happened back in the garden when Adam and Eve blew it and decided to love themselves and love their sin uh, more than God and corrupted their, their perfect lives. But do you remember what God did? He didn't wipe them off the table. He just didn't say, see ya, I'm done with you. I might have done that, but God didn't do that. Instead, almost immediately after they fall into sin, God comes up with a plan to eradicate sin and its punishment. Out of pure love, he promises Adam and Eve that one of their descendants will be born who will destroy sin's punishment forever. Ah, and God's grace at that moment, and God's soul-saving mission at that moment, and, and Christ's future rescue at that moment is born. Second battle, second in the ring, is God the Son, and his opponent is death. And so from the Garden of Eden, we have to travel to another garden, don't we, just outside the walls uh, of Jerusalem. Okay, and this, this garden is part of a cemetery, and the body of Jesus has been planted in this garden but it won't stay dead for very long. And so on an Easter dawn, the stone explodes from the entrance of Christ's tomb like a cork in a bottle. Jesus lives. And now it's death's turn to die. And now death has no power over God's son anymore. But more than that, death has no power over you. 
and death has no power over me as long as we put our hearts and trust in Jesus Christ. As Paul uh, says, death has lost its power. Death has lost its sting forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And the last battle, well, that's the Holy Spirit. As he squares off with the devil in his sights, and, and the devil puts up his dukes, but the Spirit is gloved with God's word and sacraments. The Spirit who planted that faith of yours in your heart so long ago. The Spirit who nurtures your faith you know, through God's word and sacrament. The Spirit who defends your faith with any swing the devil might take uh, at your heart. And the Spirit uses your faith to throw a devastating counterpunch and boom, Satan's flat on his back on the canvas. He's down for the count now. And that's where he will stay. Ah, something special, something wonderful, something powerful about the threeness of your God. Divine power, divine love, divine plan that erased your enemies uh, long ago. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Those are the patches that you wear on your spiritual letter jacket now. Be proud of them even if you can't fully understand God on this side of heaven, even if God doesn't come with a blueprint, even if you're ever powerful and always loving and constantly forgiving God is complicated. I mean, come on. Would you really want your God to be anything less? Amen. And now may the peace of your triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.